Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. Today we are here with Chad Pollard from WBL, one of the portfolio companies at Rev Road. Um, we've been watching this company grow and ex- actually explode is the right term for the past <laughs> grow, six months. Grow is an understatement. <laughs> that's exactly right. And we've got Chad in the studio today to talk to us about how that happened and what you're trying to accomplish as a company. So Chad, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be on. It's a great podcast. I love it. Thank you. So cool. Well, give us the uh, elevator pitch for WBL. What are you trying? Which we should probably spell out: Wasatch Bio Labs, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, Wasatch Bio Labs. And what are you? What are you doing over there? Yeah, well, so like I'd say, our motto or whatever is is we're seeking out to change the way medical diagnostics are performed. So we're considered what's called a referral lab, and that's where we process samples for biotech companies and and really anyone that needs our services. But we really got our start because we developed a test to monitor and diagnose Alzheimer's disease early on. So that's kind of what launched us, and we do a whole lot of stuff now, but I'd still say that's our bread and butter is our ability to diagnose neurodegenerative disease early on, and and we've kind of taken off since there. Very cool. And you did this all while getting your PhD at BYU, correct? Yep, yep. and it, it actually started as I was an undergrad. So I did a lot of this stuff as an undergrad. Um, I was on my way to med school, um, and that's what I thought I was going to do. That's what I was really passionate about for a long time is like the neurodegenerative field, and I thought I was going to be a neurologist. And as we were looking at all that stuff, I realized in my senior year of my undergrad that there was a huge need for early diagnostics, and it Honestly, it just came together where the stuff I was working on with the professor, Tim Jenkins, who's a who's a founder of the company as well, what he was working on just happened to apply directly into that problem of diagnostics where the neurodegenerative space just needed the ability to diagnose people early. And so I connected the dots and we, we got the samples, did the research and it exploded. And so from there, I actually just, I went straight into my PhD. So I'm still working on it. And uh, I can't wait till it's over, but yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. Balancing a PhD and building a... Starting a company. Yeah, building <laughs> a company not? don't normally go hand in no, hand. not usually. <laughs> yeah, and the BYU's been awesome about that. Like, it's not normal for sure, but BYU was like, hey, we'll let you... Like, they reduced... I don't do any TA hours. I don't do any RA hours, which is, usually takes like 30, per, 30 hours a week for a PhD. They just said, get rid of all that and make this happen. So, but you focus. Yeah, BYU is awesome that way. If, yeah. If people cool. want to do it, BYU is the place to do a PhD for sure. Cool. Well, I think it shows that they're invested in like what you're building. Oh which yeah, is absolutely. Incredible. Yeah. Well, and, and we should probably give the uh, disclaimer or the warning to the audience. This is going to be a podcast where a lot of terms are going to come, come yeah, across the air. Yeah. That we're not going to know. Right? They, to me, they feel like yeah. this level, you know, it's every day jargon for you all the time. Yeah. So, um, so in layman's terms, you know, for folks like me that aren't as you know smart as you, obviously in this space, um, what you're doing is you're helping to detect Alzheimer's early, so that the pharmaceuticals that are currently on the market can actually work and not solve but pause Alzheimer's from, uh, you know, from growing or expanding. Yeah, is that totally. Right? Yep, yep. So most people don't know, like, there's plenty of drugs out there for Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, ALS that 
have been proven to slow or stop the cause, which is like your cells are dying in your brain. Um, all that's been developed, a lot of it's FDA approved, like you could take it right now. The problem is a lot of these drugs don't know who to service, right? Because by the time these drugs are, so by the time symptoms show up, um, it's too late for these drugs to have any good. You've already mm. lost anywhere between 70, 80% of your neurons and they, they just can't reverse anything by that point. And so the holy grail for these drug companies is, hey, if someone can identify who needs these before symptoms show up, we can stop it. We, we already have the technology. So that, so that was another thing that was just like right time, right place. If we would have developed this test 10 years ago, it probably wouldn't have been as valuable because the drugs weren't around to stop the disease. But now there's like this perfect pairing where our tests can act as the preventative medicine and these drugs can come in and stop people from ever having it. So without claiming that you've solved Alzheimer's, because we can't do that because of the attorneys, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't cure it, but without <laughs> you, it, it definitely wouldn't be curable. And you, But you've essentially effectively paused Alzheimer's forever. Yeah. If yeah. this, if everyone does it. Though, yeah, so it, you, so. This is huge. Neur- yeah, neuron, changing. yeah, neuron cell death is really normal. Like uh, mm-hmm. that's a normal part of our physiology. We're supposed to just at, be at this steady pace and we shouldn't see like memory impair cognitive decline until we're like 115 like that that's way down there people don't even live to that long someone with alzheimer's for some reason theirs are just dying quicker and so basically these drugs just reset it back to the normal pace where you're you're back on track you're healthy you're not gonna lose. amazing yeah did you always know you were going into the field of neurology or how did that how did you get down that path yeah so i was always really passionate about it my grandma has a unique disease um called charco where it's a neurodegenerative disease but it doesn't mess with your mind for a long time. It messes with all your other sensory stuff. So from ever since I can remember, she hasn't been able to taste. She can't feel pain. Uh, she can't walk because she can't feel anything, but her mind is sharp as ever. So it's a really unique version. And so that always intrigued me to be really involved. And so I, I joined the neuroscience program. I was headed to med school and that's what I thought I wanted to do. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, I've, I've known for a long time that I wanted to be in this field and I thought it was going to be medicine and I definitely turned away from that, but I still think it's just as impactful. Yeah. You can change the world in many ways yeah. and this is one medicine is another. Yep. Right. And, and this way you can impact exponentially more people than you can as a physician and physicians are super important, but after being in this field, I'm, I'm glad I'm in it because you can impact a lot of people. That's incredible. Um, what I'm just thinking about this moment when you're like working on this project and you're, you meet the professor and you see what they're working on. When did you make the decision that you were like, okay, we got to go down this path? Yeah. So it, it honestly didn't happen until the very end of my senior. I'd actually accepted another job. I was going to work for a company called Inherent Biosciences. I was going to be a, oh, a yeah. data scientist for them. They, they're local. They, here. Yeah, they're local. Right. They're actually one of our clients now, which is kind of funny to have it turn around like that. But we, uh, I thought I was going to do that for sure. Like I wasn't even planning on, on raising money. I thought it was just going to be a cool research project. Um, and I had uh, entered a competition. BYU has a competition called uh, Student Innovator of the Year. And if you win, you just get $12,000. And you're like, oh, sweet. So I entered that, won that, 
March um, of 22, and I was graduating in April 22. Um, so I did that, won that, and about three weeks later, we had a bunch of VC firms come to us and say, hey, why why aren't you starting a company? Like, we'll pay for this, and we'll fund you a few million dollars and make this happen. And so that was the moment when those VC firms showed up and said, I'll write you a check right now. I was like, oh, maybe we should do this. You know, <laughs> maybe I should move forward with this and forego the data science job with this other company and get a PhD and, and move forward. So it was it was pretty quick, and it, it was really <laughs> last second. Like, I went home, and I told my wife, and she was like, she, her response, she goes, are you getting scammed? Like, because she was <laughs> she was just so, like, she was, just, she was like, I thought we were going to move up to Salt Lake. And I was like, well, yeah, I don't think we're going to do that anymore. <laughs> and she was like, okay. And so, yeah, it was, it was kind of a wild, like, few weeks there where I went from going – from one job to starting a company and, and having VC money. And it was, yeah, it was crazy. I think we also need to put a disclaimer out there that raising money from VCs is not typically done on a research project. No, <laughs> yeah. no. this is an anomaly. Yeah, yeah. no, it's great. And it's, I've, I didn't know it at the time, but I learned it was also unique to have VC firms come to you rather than us saying, Hey, will someone invest in us? They said, you have to do this. Like, why aren't you doing this? So when you were doing the research project, did you know that you had the problem kind of figured out and solved at that point or, and you just were trying to like piece it all together or where were you at at that phase? Yeah. So at that phase I knew we could pull it off, but we hadn't um, tested it in actual samples yet. Cause that was expensive. So it cost, it was going to cost like $60,000 to actually confirm that our methodology would predict Alzheimer's disease early on. Um, so that's the moment when the VC guys came in and that that's what I was like avoiding. Like we'd done all the research up until that point and on on paper and, and like technically we were like, oh, this should work great and it's a really exciting project, but we had to like take that leap of faith to like actually put in $60,000 and test it and uh, honestly, I wasn't going to do it. Like, I was like, oh, well, I don't know where to get that money. And then these VC firms showed up and said, we'll pay for it and more. So, yeah. And it sounds like, just knowing a little bit of the story that I do, Chad, that wasn't the only time you've been offered money. You've been offered money and funding in many other instances as well. Yeah, yeah, a lot. And it's it's been a good problem to have. Um, because it's allowed us to kind of pick and choose who we want involved. And so we've been able to pick people that are as passionate about it as we are, rather than people that just want to see a return on their investment. They want to help us kind of impact the world with it. So, yeah, it, it's been wild. We went from that initial investment to we're in a Series A and raising a whole bunch of money, and it's all people that just want to spread the word just like we do. So, So solving for Alzheimer's. Quote, unquote, yeah. equals raising lots of money is what we're hearing. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> people are really passionate about it. So. Very I good. think everybody knows somebody that suffered with it or has a family member that suffered with it. So you're, mm. you're solving a problem that I think feels very personal to a lot of people. Yeah, so. and that, that's something that's been pretty amazing is just even with the, the local articles, even podcasts like this, every time we get emails afterwards, I've got hundreds of emails from people that write their whole story about their family and how it impacts them. And they're just like, they 
can't wait to be tested. So it's, yeah, it's can we talk amazing. about that? Where are we at on that? We're we're like right there. So we're in uh, the regulatory phase right now. So obviously, when you're testing someone and giving them a diagnosis like Alzheimer's disease, you got to prove to everybody that your test is legit. Um, especially since Theranos. I don't know if you guys have heard about Theranos. Oh yeah, it's all we get over. that question every single time. Are you guys like Theranos? She's yeah. redefined the term scam <laughs> yeah. in the in the biomedical industry. Which, which yeah. honestly, I think is good because after she came around, everybody now wants you to prove to them that it works. And I love doing that. Like I love showing you that it works perfectly. So we're in that phase regulation, um, but we're on track. We we still think we'll be able to launch it to the public and be able to test people um, probably by like the end of August. So we're like we're right there. the The test does its job. Now we just gotta get through regulation and button up everything so that we can test people. And there's a high, high degree of accuracy, right? Yeah, yeah, really high degree. So it's it, in the 90, high 90%. Yeah, so, so far we haven't missed a sample. So, I mean, we got lots of samples to test and I'm, I'm really confident as we start testing thousands of people, we'll have some people show up as false positives or false negatives that we need to retest. Um, but yeah. So far, we haven't missed a single sample. So, it's amazing. So cool. This is yeah. exciting. Like this is, I mean, the audience I think is capturing the vision here. But this is world changing uh, scientific discovery. Oh, absolutely. We're seeing it real time. Yeah, yeah. And I, the the methodology we're using, we're not we're not the only ones that are seeing the potential in it. And uh, I think it's going to totally change the way medicine is done. Like preventative medicine is now going to be like a very real thing. That's awesome. Tell us the story and, and I've heard it um, once or twice, you know, a couple of different news stations and things, but how did this idea come to you? Tell us that story. Yeah. So this is definitely like a, a middle of the night experience. For and sure. founders night moment, founder. right? this is the I love it. Here we go. Moment. <laughs> so um, like I said, there was like this epiphany moment where I was studying in my classes for neuroscience and I learned about this, they call it, that diagnostic dilemma right in the field and uh, I was working on projects for my professor and literally in the middle of the night I woke up at like 3 a.m. and I was like holy crap I was like I think we can diagnose neurodegenerative diseases really early on using this methodology that we'd been using for reproductive health like it had nothing to do with with the field um and so I went out and I started writing it all down. I was like, this can work. And my wife came out. She was like, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, I think we can diagnose Alzheimer's disease. And she was like, okay, I'm going to bed. <laughs> so she just, <laughs> she, she didn't think much of it. Um, obviously now the, the next day and since then, she, she knows all about it and she loves it and she's super supportive. But it was definitely like this middle of the night moment where everything came and I was like, I think we could try this and, then I went to Tim, uh, the BYU professor, the next day, and we kind of made the research happen. Yeah. Man, that is incredible. So yeah. amazing. I think we can diagnose Alzheimer's yeah. in the middle of the night to building a giant company. Yeah, kind of kind of crazy. It's got to feel amazing, Chad, to know that you are solving uh, this huge, huge problem in, in the way that you are. I mean, that's just got to feel so gratifying and so good. Yeah, I mean, that that's what I want to happen. I mean... We still got a long ways to go for sure, but if there's something that I'm going to spend my time on, like there's nothing else I'd, I'd want to spend it on. And yeah, yeah. I, I love it. So. 
So you've pulled some interesting partners into the mix along the way. Chad, tell us about some of those folks and organizations and institutions. Yeah, totally. So something that's unique about my situation with a biotech company is I'm really young. Like most everyone I talk to, they're like, how did you get into this? And you don't have enough experience. Um, Tell us your age, Chad. Yeah, so I'm 25. Nice. And, and the, the average biotech founder is is 52. That's the average age. You're and half. It, yeah, and I'm half that age. It's just the inverse. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> just write them backwards. Right? Yeah. Um, and the reason is because usually you need a ton of experience, and it's usually professors just like Tim that I'm working for um, that spend a career studying a certain disease or a certain drug, and all of a sudden they have the breakthrough, and then it takes off. Um, so that's what's unique about my position is I'm the young guy, but you'll see everyone on my team they have that experience. They've been doing this for their whole career. They know it super well. And that is the number one reason we've been able to make this happen. Like if it was me and just some other students my age, there's no way we could have pulled it off. It, it had to be this team of really experienced um, professors and legal guys and business advisors that had been around the block that then made it happen. So. Yeah, I've I've been really lucky to be around guys that are ha- are happy to kind of guide me and teach me and all this stuff. Because um, yeah, I couldn't have done it without any of them. There's a ton of young founders out there um, that are starting companies and and that are kind of in your same uh, situation where they're they're young and and they're building something cool that they believe in. Um, what advice do you have for them to like? help them uh, when they're in those situations where people don't take them seriously because of how old they are? Um, Just honestly, for me, it's just being open about that. When people say, hey, you don't have enough experience, I say, you're right, I don't. Like, there's no way I would because I'm only 25 years old. Um, But I am passionate about what I do, and I rely on my team a lot. So anyone that's in that situation, that's usually what I'd say is – own that. Be willing to learn, and almost every time it works in your favor. Um, I've I haven't had it not work in my favor where I own that I need to learn more, and I'm very willing to learn more. And I think that's what's more important is that you show that you show that you're willing to learn and grow and build the team around you, rather than trying to be like, oh, well, I'm young, but I already know everything. Because there's no way that's true. Like mm. you have to learn. So that's so wise. That element of humility is key. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 that's that's been my experience for sure. I think it's awesome that it's like you're not trying to hide the deficiency. You're also not combating it. You're just saying, hey, look, I, I've built a team around me to help, uh, you know, with any issues that would come up because yeah. of my age, yeah. my lack of experience. Yeah, and like I've, I've learned a lot. And like I, I know there's plenty of things that I bring to the table for sure. Like there's a lot of things that couldn't have happened without me being there, but – yeah, if, if you own up to the to the lack of knowledge, people also I've learned are so willing to help you with it. Like it's amazing how many times I'm like, hey, I have no idea. And they're like, well, I'll show you. Like I'll do it for you. <laughs> they, like they love participating at that point, and I've loved those relationships for sure. Well, and it doesn't diminish your leadership either to not know because every uh, engagement or event or or meeting that I've seen you in, you still are leading the charge. Like you are guiding the entire ship, if you will, through this ocean. Um, 
you just don't have as much experience doing it. Yeah. They're yeah. helping you do it. That's totally. Great. Yeah. And, and I want to do that because I want to make this happen. If, if I don't steer it, we won't be able to change stuff. So That's right. Uh, I will tell you that you like your presence. Like when you, I would have never guessed you were 25. <laughs> so, you know, you're, uh, you seem older than 25. That's, well, that's you carry yourself well. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. nice. Thank you. Cool. Well, um, I mean, we've talked about a, a lot of cool things related to Alzheimer's. What, what do you do on the side, Chad, for fun and to kind of relieve stress and, and uh, take a, a quick break for a minute? I'm a huge sports fan. That, that's what me and all my family does. So uh, basketball is like my love. So I follow all the teams. The Bucks are my team. Oh, for the sure. Bucks. I'm okay. a big Bucks fan, and I was pretty upset. What is your oh, connection the poor to Bucks this year. Uh, no, <laughs> what is your connection the, to the Number Bucks? one seed. <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> choked so bad. <laughs> but whatever. I don't know how I got surrounded. So I just started following Giannis when he came in as a rookie, and I loved his story of coming in from Greece as an 18-year-old kid. I originally started just following him just because I loved his story where he was getting rides from fans to games because he was sending all his money back home, and I was like, who is this kid? I love so, it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how, but I just stuck to him when he got drafted and uh true underdog story yeah and then i followed them and so i was stoked when they won and then i was so sad when they just <laughs> choked this year but whatever so that yeah. play-in tournament man <sighs> shook some, some things up I, yeah i was i was pretty happy miami lost like once <laughs> they made it i was like i'm the biggest joker fan right now because i want miami to lose <laughs> just because they beat my team that's it yeah. oh man. cool so basketball, what else? Basketball, football. We're big BYU fans. So my father-in-law is actually uh, he's Chad Lewis. He's um, oh yeah, yeah. He's played football for a long Legend time. At my, BYU. Yep. And uh, my brother-in-law Matt Bushman plays for the Chiefs right now. And so we're big football fans and go to a lot of the football BYU football games and yes, some ends. really closely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my brother-in-law just won a Super Bowl this year, and it's a big ring. I'll tell you that one. Yeah, it's yeah. So. We That's love sports cool. and we, we follow it very closely. So <clears throat> um, I have a question about, you kind of talked about how you took something from reproductive health and applied it to this, um, this issue with Alzheimer's. Does it, and I think you've kind of mentioned it as well, it, it can be applied to other fields as well, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So the technology behind it is really that it's this ability to, they call it cell of origin. That, that's the name. But really, when you take a blood sample, we can pull out all the pieces of a blood sample and tell you what it came from uh, cell-wise. So when cells die, um, they, like, spill their guts into the bloodstream. So our bloodstream acts as, like, the sewer of our body for a lot of this stuff where when stuff dies, all the pieces end up in the bloodstream. It gets cleared out, recycled, reused, all that stuff. So our technology we're able to take that blood sample and tell you where all the different pieces came from. And so that's, that's really how it works where we were just able to say, Hey, this piece is coming from this part of the brain or this specific neuron, which is the cause of Alzheimer's disease or Parkinson's disease. And so we're working on it for a lot of other stuff. We got some really exciting stuff for type one diabetes and type two diabetes where we can identify beta cells, which are what are killed off in those diseases uh, we've got stuff for reproductive health, some really cool stuff for women's health and diagnosing cancers and endometriosis and 
stuff like that. So we've, we've got a wide array of things that we can utilize this technology to improve the diagnostics for. So, yeah. Sorry if I got a little technical there, but. No, I'm just, I, it's no wonder that you had people falling over themselves to hand out. I don't think it hurts <laughs> that you're solving. Like we have this one thing that can change the world and then also uh, we can solve all these other issues as yeah. well. Just on this, once we get this first thing built out and tested, like we'll move on to like solving the the problems of everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Well, from an investment standpoint, that's what's so exciting is usually biotech companies, they kind of, you, it feels like you put all your eggs in one basket for sure. And if that doesn't work, you tank and, and it feels like everything's over. So feast or famine. Yeah. And, and we're definitely not that way where we feel like we can apply to so many different fields and uh yeah yeah as this podcast gets out you know on the in the podcast world waves right what there i'm sure some investors will hear this and think oh i would like to be part of this what are you looking for in investors right now what's the criteria yeah so um it's kind of unique where we we did open a fund and it, it closes here really soon it actually closes july 15th so i don't even know if it'll be open enough for in future investors to get involved but when we do look at our investors, there's obviously the the minimum of, hey, you got to be an accredited investor, but we look for way more than that. We're looking for somebody that is passionate about what we're doing and doesn't just care about a return on their investment. They, they want to help us push it forward and help be a part of it. And uh, yeah, we, we've been able to find some really cool investors that way. Mm. Very good. Um. What steps are you taking personally to try and be ready to lead the charge of a company that's clearly going to be much bigger a year from now? Yeah. So right now, like I spend a lot of my time finding the right people around me. So for example, one role we're trying to find is a chief medical officer of someone who's done it before. Um, and we found some great candidates. One of them, uh, he was part of one of the COVID companies that went from like, less than a hundred thousand dollars in revenue prior to 2020 and at the end of 2020 we're doing like 450 million dollars of revenue just because they were testing for covid patients wow. and so that that's just an example of, of we're trying to find people that have done it before um who see our vision and want to join us and so they've already been through the growing pains um because i think that's the thing that stresses me out the most is if it explodes all of a sudden we need to hire and be able to handle that volume. And it's a good problem to have, but we want to be prepared for it. So that's what I'm spending a lot of my time doing right now is, is finding those right people that have the experience that I don't have and have been through those growing pains and can help us prepare for it. So, so the way you incentivize them to come over to a startup like this is higher compensation or an equity piece or, yeah, yeah. or a combination? Yeah. So, I mean, our investments have allowed us to give really competitive um, compensation. So we can give them what they're used to or, or higher than that. Um, we're very, as are most startups, uh, we give a lot of motivation behind being successful. So, you know, we do profit shares and equity stakes and all that stuff where if the company performs well, it'll be the best decision you ever made. Um, but we've also been lucky where we find people and we find that they love that growth and they also love the opportunity for impacting the world in this way um and i i, I think most startups yeah they they say they're having an impact but usually it's not something this big and so 
we found that when we give a job offer for someone and we're like, hey, we are like going to change Alzheimer's disease, we find them being way more motivated and they just want to be a part of it. So, mm. yeah. so cool. Man. It's been enlightening, Chad. I mean, really, this is, I mean, we, you always hear of the advances in science and medical and technology and things and, and how it improves the world. But um, I've said it already in the podcast, but I'm saying, again, this really like is a game changer. Yeah. It's well, huge. I believe it is, and I, I hope it ends up that way. I hope 10 years from now it's standard of care and people rarely see themselves having Alzheimer's disease. I'd, like, I'd love that. What does an exit, and some – some people have an answer for this, some don't, so if you don't, that's okay. But what does an exit look like for you eventually when the company is, you know, X big? Yeah, so we actually set up uh, a corporation. Um, so we're, uh, we are we want to exit um, sooner than later. And the reason being is because, A, it'll probably be hard for us not to exit when you have something this big and companies like Pfizer and Roche and Eli Lilly get a hold of it. Um, it's pretty hard not to exit because they'll give you a number that you can't turn down. But outside of that, we want to exit because a lot of those companies have the standard of care market, meaning when they bring something in, it's impacting the world immediately. If we try to grow that ourselves, it'll take us a really long time to actually be able to handle a standard of care type role. Um, and so... We're set up where we can sell within four years from now. And if, if that's the case, like we'll do that. Um, but we won't just sell to anyone. We want to sell to the group that has the biggest impact on, on the market quickly. So that, that is what our exit looks like. And that's what our plan is. We, we want to do that as quickly as possible and get our products into the hands of the people that everyone listens to. So you've built the company with the end in mind. pretty Yeah. Much. Yeah. 100%. Yep. And we're prepared for that. So are you still at a point where, like, if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, hey, it runs in my family, uh, I'd love to get tested. Are you like, do you have a waiting list? Do you have, like, we're doing beta testing, please come do it? Or where, where are you at with that? Yeah, yeah. So we do have a wait list. Um, we've had people that want to be a part of research, but then they realize when you're a part of research, you actually can't get your results back. And so they're like, oh, well, I want to know if I have it or not. Um, so we do have a wait list. So if you go to wasatchbiolabs.com, it's on our main page. You can't miss it. You can just sign up, and uh, you can sign up for the other tests as well. So not just Alzheimer's disease, but we're really close on having a, a, a full panel where we can test for Alzheimer's, ALS, MS, Huntington's disease, Parkinson's, all, all of these neurodegenerative diseases we, we'll be able to test for here pretty soon. And so you can go sign up for any of those. If you want to sign up for all of them, you can. Just one of them. You can just go on there, and and uh, we'll notify you when it's ready. Fun story, Chad. Tell the audience what happened when you first launched the website. What was that response like? It was it was a pretty good response. So if you have if you've seen it, we did like a Fox 13 article. It was just a local article, and it it was really centered on BYU. And as part of it, we were, we were meeting with Rev Road and marketing. They said, hey, let's, let's get our website ready so that if people want to sign up, they can. And I got to be honest, I was, I was expecting maybe 50, 100 people to sign up because usually 
in the medical space, you don't have that many people want to sign up until it's like standard of care or at least you can cover it with insurance. People don't want to sign up and pay out of pocket. Um, but the day that happened, I think we had 1,300 people sign up and are like, hey, I want to get tested now. <laughs> and I'll yeah, pay I for it myself. broke the website. And uh, we've, we've seen that same thing happen everywhere we share it, wherever that um, place reaches. We have really strong, proactive people that are like, hey, I want to do this now. I want to sign up. I want to get tested. Um, and so I think we're lucky in that sense. People are very proactive in the neuro space, and I don't blame them. They see their parents or their grandparents the way that they are, and they say, I don't want to live that way. So It's an ugly, ugly thing. Yeah. yeah it's a really sad thing. Well, Chad, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about on the podcast that we didn't get to or any message you'd like to – the audience i mean i don't think so we, we you guys are very good at getting it all out of me so you i think we covered everything i can think of well thank you this was so fun i i heard your story at rev road i don't know probably nine months ago um and i knew we had to get you on and so i'm excited that that we were able to make this happen it's been fun to hear more about the story and I'm pumped about where you're at and excited to see what the next couple months look like. Thanks. Yeah, no, I've, it, it's been a, it's been a wild nine months. And it's been awesome working with Rev Road and they've helped us get there. Um, I don't think we could have done it as quickly as we have without Rev Road. So thanks for having us on. Thanks for having me on and being willing to let me talk about our stuff. Thanks, Chad. We wish you the best of luck and we're excited to see this meteoric rise of WBL and how it you know, changes the world. Yeah. I agree. Let's make it happen. Okay. Catch you later. See ya. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.